Hello and welcome to the Films and Swear and Movie Podcast. The Scottish Film and, film and Movie Podcast. You fucked it. I fucked it. You fucked it. Happy 2018. Absolutely fucked it. Aye. Well, I'm truly fucked it. I'm your host, Stuart Sutherland. Joining me across the room is Magic Michael Christie. Aye. That's his name on Sundays. Magic Michael. Just like the John Travolta movie. Michael. Oh, is that where he plays the angel? Aye, just deking about in a pair of overalls with wings. Aye. So yes, apart from that marble mouth introduction, we are a, a movie podcast that records straight out of Fife, Scotland, and we're we're going different. We're evolving. Mm-hmm. I mean, Andy was going to be here, but scheduling conflicts. You'll be here in later episodes. Uh, so that's not the, the evolution. We're not chopping anyone out. Uh, we're, we're adding more things in. Yeah. Uh, obviously, we normally sit doing and banter on about one film, pulling it apart. Uh, but now I've well, we've all kind of done a wee consensus over Christmas, asked a few questions on Facebook, and had a couple of brainstorms. And yeah, we're gonna do multiple reviews on the show now. Mm-hmm. Unless it's one. Unless it's something fucking big you want to talk about. Yeah. So. In the meantime, for our Scorsese season, uh, where we're going to co- cover a few films of his over each decade for n- the next four or five episodes. Yeah. Um, aye. And we're not reviewing the film that won the poll last week. Yes, aye. We'll, we'll quickly brush over that. in the room. Yes. That's purely down to the fact, uh, due to the fact of availability. Taxi Driver won the poll, but I owned a copy of Boxcar Bertha and Mike had access to Mean Streets because it's still on Netflix. Yeah. So we're reviewing separate films uh, and it's sort of like uh, we're in the same position as the listeners here. I'm going to tell Michael, Michael, I'm so proper today, uh, tell Michael about my review of Boxcar Bertha, tell him all about the film, what what's good, what's bad... And then Mike's going to tell me his reaction to Main Streets. So for those listening for the first time uh, with this new format and wondering, man, I don't want to fucking listen to Boxcar Bertha. If you look on the show notes, I will put the exact timestamps at the beginning of each review. So if you want to just listen to one review rather than the other. Aye, just skip to that. Aye, you just look at the notes on your phone and then just drag the wee dial to the correct time. And then you get to hear what you want to hear. Yeah. So, before all that, let's uh, warm up. We've talked about our new format. That'll yeah. be it. Uh, and that's it. Things change. So, after a few weeks of this shite, it'll go. But we're going to try it this way for a little while. Over the course of the holidays, did you get a chance to watch anything interesting? Um, couple films. Like, I'm trying to think. Eventually, I did get to watch... My arrow released uh, the thing. Oh, aye, aye. And I think maybe I hadn't seen the film in possibly a good maybe six, seven years. Mm. And like there was like bits in the film that I forgot about. And I, was, I thought the like the new four K like uh, restoration and it was pretty good. Still no got around to watching the new 
special features. I don't need a documentary on that, but I will eventually get through to that. Try and wild. I introduced Shell to Baby Driver the other night. Mm-hmm. She actually quite liked it, but she was a little surprised with um, I watched Detroit mm. today. Yes. And it was like really good. I reckon that if I had seen that last year, that probably would have been in my top ten. Mm, mm. But it's still a really good film. Do you uh, empathise with everyone's uh, anger at the moment about lack of women directors being nominated? Do you think Catherine Bigelow should have got a nomination for this? I, well, I, on, my, on Twitter earlier, I put up that uh, I was surprised that Bob Potter didn't get any nominations at all for yeah. his role in the film. Like, he was fucking superb in the film. And it's weird because the fact that, like, like Big she got, like, Best Director, mine mind, for uh, The Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker, aye, yeah. And yet, she's been completely swept under the carpet. Aye, I reckon how it happens. Well, if it's just like us trying to narrow down. We were all talking about that Greta Gerwig, yeah, for what was that film that she done? It's Lady Bird. Lady Bird, aye. Mm-hmm. And that's it. We're now at the stage now where we've got an idea of what, like, our Oscar nominations <clears throat> for Best Picture are probably going to be through seeing, like, uh, the Golden Globes choice, the BAFTA choice. Yeah, like, I was genuinely surprised that fucking Dunkirk didn't get anything. Mm. The Post as well kind of got, like, they made that joke in the opening monologue, Steven Spielberg, Tom Hanks, Aye. and you seen the person coming up with all the yeah, fucking Globes. Yeah, I watched that yesterday. So, and I think they got, like, sweet fuck all. Mm. It was all sort of evenly divided between, like, Gomero del Toro and that Three Billboards and Ladybird. yeah. So, it's a bit like, like what I was saying. Um, I think if you were in to make money by betting on Sunday night, your money would have been made by having um, Aziz and Seer. Ah, that master of none. Because yeah. he was, I think he was maybe about eight, eight to one to maybe get his. Right. His I, I, to be honest, I never looked to see who he was uh, put against. But, I mean, I guess that you would have bet the likes of uh, Modern Family and Big Bang Theory. Uh, that is normally... the Stranger Things never got in either, did they? Don't... Uh, I've got... Nah. Because it was that, was it, it's a Big Little Lies or something? Ah, uh, Big Little Lies. Yeah, that got... Because that's it. It would have to be drama. It's not a, a comedy or a musical. Yeah. Um, I'm, so I'm kind of glad that as well that get out, didn't he get it? Because it just seems... It would just appear silly, that one best musical comedy. Yeah. Aye, definitely. The same with, like, because it didn't win any. Nah, no, we got nothing. Yeah. So, and that's it. It just seems, I think it's just the Golden Globes and the weird way that they categorise, yeah. they decide to split into these two categories of fucking drama, comedy, musical, and yeah. there's no ground in between. Whereas... BAFTA, it, it's like normal than everything else if it's British. Yeah. Best British film, best British writer, best British director, and mm. then all the Yanks, all the Americans. And aye, I reckon when that happens. BAFTA, does that no. Soon. I think that's after the Oscars because. I always thought the Oscars was last. <laughs> like, that's always you. Uh, there might be a week or two between them, cause I can't remember. But I remember it was, was it last year, last year or the year before. 
me and Michelle were in Glasgow, it must have been for ICW or something, and we went past, um, what's the name of the fucking fancy hotel that's along by like the Premier Inn on like Sloppy Hall Street. It's not like the Marriott or nothing, it's, I can't remember what it was, but <clears throat> it had, it was, it was like the BAFTA like fucking, like after party place because when we were walking past, there was like, like people standing next to like the BAFTA like statue and Aye. and that was, I think, I think it was maybe after those, but I can't remember if it is before or after. Uh, on their website and funnily enough it is not the first thing that comes up they're all just talking about the fucking nominations uh, I've not actually seen any of the nominations for it there's a, a Twitter backlash because the majority of the nominations are all white and all male so Find out the winners on Sunday the 18th of February. So the 25th must be the Oscars? Aye, because I feel it is. There's no much in between them after that. Because Oscars is always usually the last stop in like awards season. Yeah. Right, let's get into our film reviews of this episode. As you'll be aware, we're going to spoil these movies. I'm not going to pull up any music, you just know what are going to happen. We're going to talk about the films at length. If you're not prepared to hear about them, go watch them first. First film in our Martin Scorsese season is Boxcar Bertha from 1972. Yes. I was like, director Martin Scorsese. It stars Barbara Hershey as Boxcar Bertha, David Carradine as Big Bill Shelley, uh, Barry Primus is Rake Brown. Barney Casey, sorry, Bernie Casey, is Vaughn Morton. And John Carradine as H. Buckram Satoris. So, interesting choice for a character name. Yes. Um, the plot is, during the Great Depression, a union leader and a young woman become criminals to exact r- revenge on the management of a railroad. And I, it was a first time watch for me. Yeah. Obviously, because I'd never fucking heard of it before. Yeah. Prior to us staying this season. Is there any like rewatchability towards it? Um, no. no. One watch wonder. One watch wonder. I watch it once. I will probably never watch it again. Um, I mean, the only other, I did have it back on the day, but I was just to show one scene to my wife. And as I seen, I discussed with you earlier. Uh, there's a good chance that what seems like a completely innocent scene of people playing a game of dice, but it turns out to be maybe a two-minute scene of Martin Scorsese filming up the skirt of Barbara Hershey. All right. Aye. There's a very strange scene where she's went over watching these boys gambling, and she's just sitting there crouched down. And she's quite a free-spirited lassie. She's already had a role in the hay with David Carradine. The fucking sexual implications between her and him. He was going to kiss her, put a hand on her top, and she's like, I'm not that sort of girl. And he's like, oh, okay. Then he just takes her clothes off and shags her anyway. Cuts Uh to her just waking up, 
in the fucking hay, in the back of a boxcar on a train in the scuds as the train's about to take off, pulls on a fucking summer dress, goes into a wee fucking shanty town, just crouches down. And I'm certain this poor lassie's wearing knee knickers in this scene at all. <laughs> so we're getting to see a whole lot of hair she fucking as these boys are playing dice. And that was all the scene that you showed Margaret. Aye, because I, I, I showed her Margaret, he's like, is that lassie wearing knickers? And she's like, <laughs> and no, not not at all. It's like, and it's not even played for like a joke in the film because she's sitting beside like a couple of bums and a few times during the film she uses like her sexuality like she'll, she'll hike her skirt up a little to try and catch the attention of a police officer yeah. and so she's obviously not that annoyed there because he's not been pulled up for sexual misconduct yes and that's it I, I feel it's not Marty's fault because when you read all the reviews of this film there's a producer called Roger Corman and supposedly his presence in this film is what cripples it. So I reckon uh, supposedly the power of Roger Corman is the influence of sex and violence that was put into this film. All right. So maybe Marty had one film in, in mind, but yeah. the producers wanted full nude scenes of Barbara Hershey and David Carradine after just having sex and they're just lying in a fucking scatter flat. And right enough, we see fucking Bush after both fucking Barbara and David as he's fucking trying to hike up his jeans and... Yeah. So they're no shy about showing things. Nah. And they're no shy about fucking shooting cunts either. <laughs> I mean, there's there's one scene where... And the acting's appalling in most scenes. Like, if you're outside of the main four characters, who's like uh, David Carradine's Bill Shelley, Boxcar Bertha... The the gambler that she meets when she's fucking showing the audience all her business um, is a boy cried Rake Brown, Barry Primus, who's like a Yankee, but this is all set in the South. So he starts getting a lot of stick for fo- just because the Civil War. Uh-huh. Like, this is 1930s uh, during the Great Depression. So when they f- see hear his New York accent, they start getting him shit. They didn't want to fucking spend their money on him, fucking crying cunts are red, things like that. So she sympathises with him and kind of, he becomes like part of her, it's like Robin Hood. Like, they're Robin cunts. Uh, so this is one of her merry men is like this right. fucking Yankee gambler. And then there's the black guy uh, who used to be a good friend of her dad's. And her dad, look, like his his whole story arc was he's a crop duster. All right. Comes down, <clears throat> he's a Pepsi with his daughter fucking black pal sitting playing the, the harmonica he gets back in the fucking crop dusting plane just flies it into the fucking field crashes and dies huh. and it was like the engine needed fix but the guy threatened said, I'm not going to pay you unless the job's done so of course when he dies the fucking black guy goes and bars fuck at the boss things like that that violence seems to be the main theme in this film right. like if you're trying to find a way to resolve a problem just batter fuck at the guy that's the problem like her dad dies, batter fuck at the boss. David Carradine wants the fuck to go on strike, they batter fuck at their employers. Uh, there's two other situations where they just decide, fuck it, let's just batter fuck at these people. Yeah. Like, fair enough. But since they've got a black dude in it, they will not stop using the word nigger. Huh. 
just because there's a black guy playing a fucking uh, harmonica, fucking every white person that's seen is like, shut that nigger up. And they all get arrested, they get put in jail at one point, and there's like a sheriff who's too big for his boots. And he sees David Carradine and fucking Bernie Casey in, in the holding cell talk to each other. He's like, look at them. Like, what? That white boy, he's talking to the fucking black guy like they're friends. Like, go teach that nigger lover a lesson. <laughs> and it just comes over with like, it's like a wee leather club. And just starts fucking batting fucking David Carradine. The, I'm sure I've seen that in the trailer actually when I was watching Aye. And I feel this is all maybe part of like the exploitation side of it. Because yeah. I, I feel like outside of that, outside of the fucking, like outside of the fucking, uh, the, the violence and the use of the fucking like racial slurs, it's like you're watching an episode of like House on the Prairie. <sighs> like you've got the wee country guitar going in every scene and it's just Boxcar Bertha going for a fucking trailer cart to trailer cart and her and her pals getting into hijinks. But, aye, it's just like that. And then it's like, right, let's make it fucking, like, explosive. Let's aye, put so this you reckon in. that they made that to try and make the film better than what? Aye, I feel there's there's some stuff on Wikipedia saying that they're trying to replicate the formula of another movie similar. I cried, I think it was Bloody Mama. So I, that must have been, like, an exploitation film where the, the fucking hero is a, a woman... Uh, and they can sh- showing it to the man mm. or something, but they want to replicate that formula and do it and like in a Bonnie and Clyde style between yeah. Boxcar Bertha and fucking Bill Shelley. Yeah. But was um David Carradine's character was he um was he David Carradine's character actually had a wee bit mare. Um. Mayor of back, like, there was a wee bit of mayor detail written into his character that, Aye. other than the rest of them, like, he had, like, this moral conflict going for him. Because, obviously, he was, like, the, the, the in charge of the union. He was getting all the guys on strike. He would just want all the workers to get better paid. He was the really one to rob folk, to get money, Aye. to pay these people. Uh, and he doesn't like it when there's, like, a scene where he's come across the main character, that, that's a Taurus. The dude, his dad, the actor, yeah. uh, and they're robbing him. They're robbing his train cart. They're going through taking all the jewels. Uh, no, it's not a train cart. They show up to his house, and there's like an old boy on the door. And you've got boxcar Bertha all dressed up in a big gown. You've got the black guy as the driver. And then you've got David Carradine. And it's like, the boy in the door's like, where's your invitation? He's like, oh, wait, who's got it? And they're looking at the black guy and like, you have it? Like, oh no, sir, I don't know if I have it. And he's sitting raking through his pockets. Mm. And David Carradine says, Wait, I've got it. And he just points the gun in front of the old man. And the man's like, Yep, that's an invitation, all right. <laughs> and they come in, and the wee woman's all quiet. It's like, Ladies and gentlemen, this is a holdup. Ah, fucking seen that trailer as well. Aye. And so they just fucking like just take all the jewels off of the. And they get to Sidoris. And they take his watch. And it's like, You know what? And he starts giving Bill this speech, like, I respected you, but seeing you now, you're just a common thief. And he doesn't like it. Like, he, I think he feels well-respected as, like, a union leader. So the fact that he's compared to, like, a fucking thief, he regrets it and gives him his watch back. But you get, like, this great montage sequence where they're just going robbing people on trains. And honestly, my favourite scene in this film is... 
it's, it's bittersweet because like it's a shame that this black dude's having to cry himself a nigger in this scene but he's like a waiter on a train cart and it's like the, the dining room cart and he's in, in the white suit he's got the big silver tray and he's just going around table to table collecting like purses watches jewelry and all that and it's like do you have anything for the nigger ma'am oh I, I'm a lucky nigger today yes and it's like oh man I, I, I think again like, that boy must <laughs> have felt so ah yeah he must have just felt fucking I don't care if you felt sad saying it, but it's it's sad to see, like, and they, he didn't need, need to see all those words, yeah. but he was going around doing that, and it's like, oh, I'm a lucky nigga, I've got all this, and as the camera pans out, I was like, in the left hand, he's holding a fucking tray, collecting all these goods, and he's dressed as a waiter, his camera pans out, he's got a double barrel shotgun underneath the tray as he's pointing at all the people, <laughs> so that's why all these fucking just hand, and it's like, oh, is that a watch? I like watches and he just fucking collects everything it's fucking priceless and he goes out the car and he's standing over the gun and all the fucking jewels and it's got Bertha fucking Bell and their gambling pal and they're all just fucking hee-hawing outside because they've just gotten all this money but the bad bits I mean it's a bit of a a pervy watch Um, like because obviously going by the trailer obviously fucking David Carradine's miles older than what Barbara Hershey is. Aye, she was like uh, mid-twenties in this. And, I mean, she was casting it for a reason because she was stunning. She was, she just looked like you're a proper little country girl. Like, big brown eyes, long dark hair, big chest. Um, And there's one scene where there's a fucking drunken gambler looking at her like, I like a woman with a full figure. And she eventually just fucking shoots him. (laughs) <laughs> just because he's just this perry bastard that's just sweating as he looks at her. Yeah. And for some reason, she doesn't wear, like, as we've talked about, any underwear in this film at all. She's always just going a bit in just like a big summer dress yeah. and her fucking shoulders keep dropping down and yeah, things like that. Probably. And I think that's probably like in the norm sort of thing. And yeah. I, I think it's also just to make, make it a bit more like titillating. Because that's it, she's just running everywhere with her fucking tits bouncing around and then David Carradine's fucking pulling them out when he wants to and <laughs> trivia note, they were a couple at the time. So, I don't know. I if it was either during production that this romance sprung or they were already an item, but... Did she ever get him to... I do think she was one of his, like, four wives. I think I was having a look at his... Sorry, no... I was looking at the IMDb page for his dad, and he had four wives. Alright. Every time a marriage ended, like two months later, he married another woman. And that's why he's got like five kids. Alright. <laughs> the boy didn't kind of want to quit. Uh. Um, but aye, you could see why she was casting it, because she was a stunning woman, so they thought, right, folk will come and see it just for her. Uh. And I mean, she does steal it, she does have a, like, between her and David Carradine and the black dude, they do really well in this film. Yeah. So, and it, it's it's not a lot to think about. It's these guys robbing trains and eventually it catches up with them. Aye. Which you imagine in most films. So is it like a massive like, shoot at the end or is it? Yes, aye, in some words. Uh, the ending is... Bertha gets reunited with, with Big Bill Shelley and that's mainly because he gets put in prison 
and she's left on her lonesome. So for a period of time, she starts working in a whorehouse right. and just, just it, it kind of gives you the, even though, like, she doesn't age in this film at all. But David Carradine looks like he's an old man makeup by the end of it. Uh. But she just goes for, like, sort of the rags to riches, but that's because she's working in a fucking knocking shop now. Uh, and she walks past a bar and hears the sound of a harmonica playing. And she must think, I only know one guy that plays a harmonica. Right enough, it's her black pal sitting on a stool playing harmonica in the bar. Uh. And he's like, oh, yeah, Bill just broke out of prison. Come, I'll show you. And if I can take him up, and of course there's old Bill sitting in this house writing things to him. So they have like the, the tender embrace, a big kiss. They come outside, and that Saldoris, like the bad guy of the film, all his men are there waiting for them. And it's about ten blokes, like ten fucking rough guys, and they just sit and punch fuck out both of them. Uh. Like just throw them down, just bar fuck every, like just sit and punch them in the face, kicking them in the stomachs. And the next shot cuts to them in the, I was going to say the dockyard, but no, it's like a, the train yard. And they're fucking crucifying, like, fucking David Carradine. Like, like Jesus, like, arms out, and they're using the big rail pins like, oh, for the aye, train, aye. like the railway line. Like, those big pins, and they're fucking nailing his wrists to the side of the boxcar. <sighs> and it's fucking brutal. Like, he, he's just sitting, screaming, passes it for the pain. She's hogtied on the ground, watching it happen. And they nail him. They look to her. And then fucking Big Vaughn, the black dude, the harmonica player, shows up with a shotgun and just fucking wastes everyone. <laughs> and the camera work gets a wee bit funny here. Like, I reckon if the guys were on a trolley or something, but there's one shot where a dude gets shot with a shotgun... And when the impact hits him, him and the camera move in sync. So you're watching him fly across the fucking field and hit a wall. Uh. Uh, other dudes get shot and it's it's funny blood. It's bright red blood, like uh. Big Boss. Like uh. when somebody died, it looks like the blood will glow in the fucking dark. Uh. It's that bright. And it looks like, it's like a really good student film, like with the squibs. Like, the fire, there's maybe a little delay, but then the guy's chest explodes, and it, it's like those parts there, you think, it shows, like, there's a sign of promise, like, this boy could be good. Like, there are these wee twinkles of, fucking like, violence and how it's all filmed. Uh, you can see, like, this is the Martin Scorsese side, I think. Yeah. So Big Vaughn just fucking kills every one of them. And then it's just... It's dead fucking sad because then the train takes off and Bill's just pinned to the fucking train like Jesus and it takes off and Bertha's running after it and it just ends. Uh. So, so that's I would recommend you see the ending at least or because there's, there's well that's it's ninety minutes. Uh. If it's on and you're curious, watch it. Denny go it your way. Like I think that it's like a nine quid DVD on Amazon. Denny nine quid. So nine quid. Like must be it's I mean I bought that fucking Martin Scorsese box set for like £3.50 and that's in it so but I think that's purely because it, it's a whole handful of his lesser known films uh, but aye that's me <clears throat> um, did you get any like box office or yes um, do you want a trivia note aye uh, Interesting trivia. 
After he finished his film, Martin Scorsese screened it for John Cassavetes, a three-time Oscar nominee. He was a star in Dirty Dozen. Uh, Cassavetes, after seeing it, hugged Scorsese and said, Marty, you just spent a whole year of your life making a piece of shit. It's a good picture, but you're better than the people who make these kind of movies. Don't get hooked into the exploitation market. Just try and do something different. And that uh, convinced Martin to go make Mean Streets the following year. Fuck right off. <laughs> because one of the fucking trivia notes for mm-hmm. uh, Mean Streets, it was quite a long, long trivia note. Aye. And it was uh, Cassavetes told Scorsese after he had uh, completed Boxcar Bertha. It's like, you've just spent a year of your life making a piece <laughs> of shit. And that inspired Scorsese to make a film about his own experiences. And then he, he should have done something like Who's Knocking at My Door. Right. And, I, and that was one of the trivia notes on fucking For years. Well, that's I Maybe just because Boxcar Bertha's that type of film, that's, there's hardly any fucking trivia about it other than Roger Corman being a bit of a sleazy bastard who kind of took over. Uh. Um. This film cost uh, $600,000 to make. Ah. And there is no box office records for it. What? Yep, I looked on Wikipedia and Box Office Mojo. I mean, I will have a wee look on IMDb just in case. IMDb used to always tell you on the films, but now they've kind of stopped that function. Nope, nah, it's just box office again. How much much money it costs Mm. to make. I probably didn't make that much, I would think. No, no, I think in what an exploitation film would have been like in the 70s, mm. if that was... I'd imagine that, wouldn't it wouldn't have been what got fuck into the theatres. Like, folk were wanting to go see Tits, they would probably go to like the porn theatres. Uh. So, uh, a one-star review. It actually just got one uh, out of the ten reviews on IMDb. Mr. Viewer writes, What we have here, ladies and gentlemen, is 100% undiluted Hollywood crud not worthy of further comment except to reach the minimum words uh, for an Amazon review daft clean costumes daft script, daft plot daft action and daft acting and that was it that's it that was his beef right, right. Mike the floor is yours go and tell me about Mean Streets um, well obviously it's Directed by Big Marty. Big Marty, yes. It's direct follow-up pretty much a year after Boxcar Bertha. It stars Harvey Keitel, who we both like really enjoy. Mm-hmm. A, a young, pretty much unknown Bob De Niro at this point. Yes. So I think this was before Godfather Part 2. I think it was in a year before it. Could be. Um, David Proval and Richard Romanos. Mm-hmm. No, fucking David Proval. He's is Aye. he the boy that's in all these Transformers now? He's like, <laughs> I feel like he's like the FBI guy that got pissed on by Bumblebee. No, that's that's fucking John Turturro. Ah oh, shit. Okay, that's John Turturro. I was getting um, David Proval, who I am like, I, I recognise. I'm like, who the fuck have I seen him in? And when I went through all his list of like, stuff, there wasn't anything notable. Aye. Like, on my part, because I always thought it was really familiar. Eh? He does. Can who you kind of look like? He looked like um, 
Oh, he was in American movie from London, but he didn't play the guy that died. He was the, the best part. Aye. Oh, wait, the guy that's a, the the main character. Aye, yeah, aye. Like that's who I thought it was at first, and then I went to look up, and it wasn't it. Because mm. it looked dead, like quite alike. Aye, and that's it. Um, it would have been how he looked in the seventies, and that would have been. And that was his like that was his first film as well, with seven main streets. Ah, right. Um, so I've got Harvey Keitel who plays Charlie, mm-hmm. Bob De Niro who plays Don, uh, Johnny Boy, uh, David Provile plays Tony, and Richard Romanus plays Michael. And the plot to this one is a young upstart tries to ascend the ranks of the mob in Little Italy, New York, in the early seventies. And as we said, like, this sounds, like, for a plot like that, it sounds almost autobiographical, uh, like, a t- style of story, where it looks like it seems like it's a story out of someone's life, mm-hmm. like, whether if it's from Scorsese's own, yeah. sort of, influences, or from stories from his own life, or yeah. childhoods, but I had a wee look at the trailer on my way home today as well. And fucking Bob De Niro just looks like the fucking wild card. Looks like uh, the kind that got Obdi into trouble, eh? Aye. Uh, I was quite uh, I was quite surprised at his performance, and especially towards the last like half hour of the film. Right. Um, he just started to like, like wither into like darkness a wee bit and a bit more like un- unhinged sort of thing. Like almost not as much as Travis Bickle, but kind of just like, like above it sort of thing. Aye. And that's it. It's funny watching back, you know, seeing them. Like he does, he looks so fucking young. Like he looks like a proper teenager with like the shaggy haircut. Yeah. And Harvey Keitel looks equally as young. Mm-hmm. And but he he looks like business casual. He's he looks uh, like he's mere well dressed. Because uh, he um so basically his his role he basically like his uncle's like part of like a, a local mob, and. He's kind of like running stuff for like loan sharks. Mm-hmm. Bob De Niro's pretty much just fucking taking money off, like borrowing money, but he just doesn't pay them back. Ah, right, and right. And he's just forever getting in trouble. Burning his bridges. Aye. And he's like, like best pals with um, Harvey Cartel, and he's obviously trying to get him to like stay like on the, like, the right rail and stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, I thought the like, dynamic between the two in this film was actually really good. Like Aye. when I read the uh, the plot I actually thought it was Harvey Keitel that was the young upstart and Bob right. De Niro was almost like the like the mentor sort of thing aye, aye. alright so as we mentioned this is obviously your first watch aye. of it overall um, I actually like really quite enjoyed it mm-hmm. I would probably say go and watch it aye and that's it the fact that it's on Netflix it's aye, fucking it's, easy access yeah. for everyone and like I've See, before, it's one of the films I've been wanting to see for a long time, but just never ever got around to it. Aye. And now because we're doing this. It's like, a great chance to aye. take off some of these boxes that we... Because that's it. We normally... We wouldn't normally go out of our way to see something like that. And through doing a fucking podcast, is always a great excuse to really... Aye, I'm going to use this as my, my fucking uh, excuse to watch Boxcar Bertha. Aye. And I mean... I maybe probably should it should have used it as my excuse to watch New York, New York, because uh. that also happened in the seventies. But I'm thinking if I'm ready to watch uh, a fucking musical with Robert De Niro and Liza Minnelli, uh. I'm not there yet. But 
Tell me some of the things you liked about um, Main Streets. Really, obviously, the f- you get the first scene in the film where it's a uh, Harvey Keitel and he's, he's obviously like very church oriented. He's got like the cross in his like bedroom and, that, and you see him at churches praying and stuff, yeah. going into like confession. And then like, the first scene you get with, you get Bob De Niro maybe 10 minutes in. And it's him just coming out like a wee alleyway and he's like walking past a wee mailbox and mm. he fiddles about it and then runs up the street and the fucking mailbox just blows up. Oh, fuck's sake. And he's got like his wee fucking shitty hat on and all that and he's looking very, like very young. Aye. Um, and Michael, he, um, the guy, he's the one that's like old... That's all money from Bob De Niro, like the most. Okay. And he's the one that's wanting the payments. Aye. Bob De Niro's not paying him, but he's telling Harvey Keitel that he is paying him. And it's just like the animosity between the two is just getting a bit too. Like, towards like, the last like half of the film, mm-hmm. like they're almost like kind of like, like despising each other. Oh, aye. Um, it's, it's early 70s as well, so like there's like a nightclub and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Bob De Niro shows up to a nightclub. With two birds. Right. Jacket on, hat. This <laughs> is jacket off and he's wearing fucking boxers. <laughs> in a nightclub and he tears the last, like the last, it's like the cloakroom assistant. He's like, oh, it's like, well, can we like, look after these? Aye. Uh, um, so he's quite... Does, is, is his character under the fucking... Under the influence? He sounds like a... Like, is he... Is nah, there didn't really any, see... Any drugs in this film? Nah. Nah, yeah. no for him anyway. Um, Aye. There's a few like scenes I'm drinking and, that, and he's he's kind of because he's quite young and all that he's kind of he looks like he kind of would be like, like you're trying to get shit faced or aye, aye. but um, I it's just quite like quite like straight like straight away like just likes what he likes and all that and he's, aye like, he um when he's in the nightclub with Harvey Keitel he's like oh, I need to see you through the back. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, you're supposed to pay Michael. He's like, so bad, Dad. He's like, but now you didn't. They? And then he's like, oh, he's like, well, tells a long winded story about like old, no old money. He's like, one money in like a betting thing, mm-hmm. and then somebody's played a a prank on him and he's been robbed and shit, and he's got like maybe thirty quid left. Goes uh-huh. and buys himself the suit, the tie, and all that. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Well, Ken, if you're buying a suit and tie, why are you not paying him? Because aye, if you didn't pay him, I'm gonna get the heat for it. Aye, and I, I um, <clears throat> and then I think one of my favourite bits of the film as well is a bit where they go to get money from oh, what's the name of the guy? Oh, his name the, the name is like Joe. I can't, I couldn't catch his second name, and he's aye. like a really big dude there. And it's at like a like a billiard club, mm-hmm. and uh, one of Michael's pals is with him, mm-hmm. and he's like trying to get money off the guy, and he's like, he's like, nah, he's like, I'm not getting money, I'm mook, and the guy's like oblivious to what a mook means. All right, and then all of a sudden, like Bob De Niro just runs in and starts punching the boy, and then it's massively like brawl. Do they explain what it means? Because I'm. It's a. I, I think it's like a. They're just sort of like a slurry, Italian-American. It's like an Italian-American slurry. Aye. Um, the guy just looks like oblivious to like what the fuck it is. Uh. Aye, and it's then, the first time they've <clears> heard it. 
So they're all just absolute hammering fuck each other. And like, like throughout the film, like Harvey Keitel talks about, he's got like a like a like a bum left hand. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't use it or nothing. But um, Polis then come down, and they end up playing after Polis, and then kind of it, it drops the ball a wee bit, I think. Right. Because it goes with um, it shows you Bob De Niro being in the apartment with Harvey Keitel, and he's looking over at another apartment. Aye. Which turns out to be the character Bob De Niro playing his cousin. Right. It's Harvey Keitel was shagging her. Okay. And... Do you get new date in this film? Ah, a wee bit. Maybe... No as bad as fucking Botka. Sitting flashing um, your bush off. Nah, it's just like maybe one scene with a shagging, that's about it. Mm-hmm. You do like get like lassies like dancing at clubs, but they're really like the wee tassels and stuff. Well, that's the De Niro... Uh, Scorsese's films have never, I've always kind of shown tits, but it's anyway, it's, it's probably in a strip club or like a brief sex scene. Aye, but um, like Cartel's like he really, he really likes there's a black dancer at the club mm-hmm. who he really likes, but back in that time, it's kind of what's the word? Like it's no normal for like a white person to be like dating a black, black person and that. Aye, aye. So they kind of like keep all that sort of low key and that. Um, but it's and a nice wee scene though, um, maybe half an hour in it where <clears throat> there's all these youngsters are outside um, the, the restaurant that um, Michael and I stand in it mm-hmm. and they come over and they call, can we, can we buy some like firecrackers? And he's like, it's like, well, we've not, he's like, we've got like 40 quid in us. He's like, all right, cool, cool, come with us, come in the car. He's like, we need to go and get it. And they drive them like, out of the city. <laughs> and uh, they're like, oh, um, we need to let you sit the car because we kind of let you show where we're going for it. Mm-hmm. He's like, but we need the money. He's like, oh, uh, would you like take a check? He's like, no, just give, give us the fucking money. He goes, we're back in half an hour. Drops them off, driving. Michael starts cutting the money. Mm-hmm. And like, the, guys, the guys have only given him like 20 quid. Aye. And that. Uh, so it's kind of like their plans kind of backfired on them, eh? Aye, because that's it. They were just going to dump them outside the city and keep the money, Aye. but... Um, we do get a very short David Carradine cameo. Aye. Where uh, it's just it cuts to a scene in a club um, that Tony has. He's no nailed to the fucking wall, is he? Nah, he's, he's, he's plastered. <laughs> he's absolutely smashed. He's just like sitting drinking and he just like sways all the bottles about and he climbs on the side of the bar. Mm-hmm. And had the cartels at the other side of the bar, like Bob and Joe playing cards and shit. And he's like, So I need to go to the bathroom. He's like, Is that like, really in the piss? And he like stands up and he's kind of stumbling, walks to the bathroom. But the, the guy sitting a few chairs along, gets up, walks into the bathroom, sees David Gardine standing, and he's like standing right at the side of the cubicle. Mm hmm. Like try to hear a piss. <laughs> but I think I think he's even got his like trousers down there. Aye. And then he's just looking at him. Carradine turns his back, the guy pulls a gun out, shoots him like three times in the back. Aye. Carradine turns around and fucking like lunges at the guy. <laughs> and like even though he's absolutely smashed, he's been shot three times, he's, like, he's like the fucking terminator. Eh? Aye, he's like, got the he's, fucking strength all of a sudden. He's fucking like holding the guy and he pushes him into the bar and he gets shot maybe Two or three times more, as he's still like strangling the guy. Mm-hmm. Fuck's sake. 
Um, what was the running time on it? Uh, one hour and fifty, I think. That's not too bad because that's like, as we're gonna go, his films are gonna get longer. Yeah, as we uh, get into the decades. Um, I mean, it was a like, like heavily as Kingdom. It was probably one of his first. I thought it will be his first gangster type film. Eh? Aye, where he's probably finding his had, style. Had a wee bit of like, like exploitation sort of Aye. thing with it. Yeah. Like some of the, like some of the violence was like that, like bright red. The bloods. Blood. Aye, aye. Well, that's it, and it also comes <coughs> into it. It was that time of the seventies as well, so. Aye. You decided you, that that's what you had to do. That's, yeah. Or like that's what effects were made available. Yeah. And. I mean, you'll you'll tell us about the budget soon, but you think uh, how much money he was working with. Yeah. Um. You got any other bullet points? Uh. Let me. Let me see. Harvey Keitel's character doesn't want Michael or like the mob finding out that he's involved with Bob De Niro or his cousin and that. Mm-hmm. has got a chance to get in like a restaurant that his uncle's going to be running or something. But it feels that if he, if they find out that he's involved by Bob De Niro, it's going to like fuck everything up. Mm-hmm. So obviously, um, when De Niro starts kind of like, like derailing a bit, he finds him and he kind of just, like almost like severs all the ties and, that and starts like being like an absolute dick saying he's going to go and tell like his uncle and all that. Mm-hmm. And the two of them just basically start like knocking seven bells at each other. Aye. And... De Niro's character's cousin, she suffers from epilepsy in the film. Mm-hmm. So, like, as they're, like, brawling, she starts taking, like, an epileptic fit. Fuck's sake. So then he obviously has to run away while he's, like, helping her and stuff. Aye, aye. So it, it's easily, it, it's more fucking Harvey Keitel's your lead in this film rather than De Niro. Aye. Aye, yeah. aye. Because I think it's just synonymous that you think, Martin Scorsese films, you just think De Niro's the main cat in it. Yeah. So it'll be funny to see him being sort of like your uh, fucking like a fresh face in a film because well fucking De Niro's everyone is a famous household name. Yeah. Like it's weird to see it's weird to think of him as the fucking then he came around going um, just to see him as a fucking fresh face actor uh, in a film looking fucking green. Yeah. Like, does he show promise? Like, uh, like, does he look like, is he talented enough then? Or does he look... Um, I bit? think he is, like, obviously, because we know that um, a lot of his film, like, like films like Cape Fear, where he's fucking, like, really, mm-hmm. like, really chilling and that. Uh, like, he kind of shows, like, a wee bit of that towards, like, the end of the film. Oh, like, especially. Like the intensity. And then, obviously, he shows that later on when he does, like, Taxi Driver and all mm-hmm. that. But back in the days, you probably would have thought he would have been like pretty good. Aye, aye. So, in amongst the who steals is a, a hard uh, one between Harvey and Bobby De Niro. Aye, because I, I see that. It's equal. I think it's maybe equal. Well, really. I mean, obviously, you would think Bob De Niro kind of steals it because you're like. He's a bit more like, unhinged towards the end. Aye. Because you know, like, as, as I've seen the film where he's um, sitting on like, a roof, like trying to shoot fucking like, like the Empire State Building and mm-hmm. all that. And then 
he um, like sets like firecrackers off a fucking roof and all that. Mm-hmm. So he's, oh, so he, he comes across as the mere interesting character. Aye, like, he's just a fucking mad cunt. Aye, and then obviously <clears throat> it comes to like the like the ending and all that, where um, that's where he has to go and meet up where Michael would pay him. Mm-hmm. And he uh, decides to only give Michael like a, like a $10 bill, but then doesn't want it. And then mm-hmm. decides to like, set fire it in front of him. And then there's like, a lot of animosity between the two of them. Aye. Then Bonnerero pulls a gun mm-hmm. and threatens him, walks away. Cartel then decides to leave with, by orders of Cartel's uncle and that. Mm-hmm. If things didn't work out, then you've got to like take him away somewhere and hide him for like six months or you deliver and kind of like cools down. Cools down. Aye. So then he's going to be taking Bob Nero somewhere. So then the love interest jumps in the car with him and they're driving away and stuff. And then his car just happens to fucking pull out anywhere. And then uh, it's Michael that's fucking driving it. Mm-hmm. And there's a guy in the back of the car with a gun who at first I thought was Scorsese. Mm-hmm. But when I checked it, wasn't he? Uh, decides to shoot De Niro in the neck when they're driving. Ah, I vaguely minded that bit now. Did and then it's just a, like a, well, it's kind of just like spiraling into like fucking chaos, aren't they? They drive out like a water hydrant. Mm-hmm. And like all you see is like, at first I thought it was um, like Harvey Cartel, but it's the last in the car, her arms like fucking like hanging like through the window, like the window shield and that. Aye. And like Bob De Niro's like walking up the alleyway like holding his neck. Mm-hmm. And, and then the poles kind of like just stop at him. Aye. And that's when it kind of... That you're ending, really. Aye. Aye, comes to that one. Yeah, because it just shows you Bob De Niro, nah, doesn't it? It shows you Harvey Cartel and uh, the love interest uh, getting put in there. Like ambulance. Aye. And driving away, then that's pretty much. Mm-hmm. So, wait, was love it. interest still that black chick? No, it was uh, um, De Niro's cousin. Ah, right, right, right. The, across the apartment aye, the across one that had the, the epilepsy and that. Aye, aye, okay. So, um, I don't think we, if we mentioned it, rewatchability? Aye, I'd probably watch it again, like. Mm-hmm. It would be, because I think we've got this on a scale of three, obviously, one hit wonder. If it was on the telly, I'd probably watch it. Or I would watch it right after this. Would you say? If it was on the telly, maybe? Aye, I'd probably maybe, like, if we were going to, like, talk about it as like, a group sort of thing, I'd probably watch it again. Aye, aye. Alright. Because I say, I feel I, I, I might, if I've got the opportunity of, like, two hours this week, I might get a wee watch. Aye. Because, like I said, we get. I mean, it's no way. Um, it's kind of like an easy watch as well. Eh? It kind of like puts you in a wee bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's no overly complicated either. Nah. For the sins nah. All right, man. Um, I guess it's time for you to treat us with some trivia. Uh, the scene where... Or the scene in the film where De Niro's like running... It's after he's shooting the like, Empire State Building. Him and Harvey Cartel are running like, over rooftops mm-hmm. and little, little, like... The film kind of takes place like during this like feast thing. It's like something like Italian, like try to think what's the word, like a festival sort of thing, like, like a aye, something like that. And um, 
him jumping out of the rooftops, he does that a year later in the Godfather Part 2 when he plays ah, right. young Don Vito. Aye, where he shoots the boy in the fucking in the stairwell. Aye, and he's like running out of the rooftops. rooftops aye, aye. Aye, that's like generally that same sort of I think it was like, it's not a festival, it's like a... Like a celebration, aye. Aye, like a local holiday aye. type of thing. Warner Brothers wanted Scorsese to have an all-black cast okay. to cut cost to make it more black exploitation, but decided to go against it after, obviously, both cast. Aye, aye. And that's it. It's, well, that's it. He had his, his vision, obviously. So. Aye. I guess if it's a fucking strange choice for the studio one it just to turn into a fucking black exploitation. Uh, um, some of the cast from both Carbetha were in the film as well. Right. Um, I'm just trying to think. The only person I'm trying to think. Let's see what's the actual cast list again. Also, there was David Carradine. Yep. Yeah. Um, I had Barry Primus. Benny Casey. Um, and is there a dude called Victor Argo, maybe? Yeah, Victor Argo was there. Ah, he was one of the henchmen in Boxcar Bertha. Uh, Robert Carradine was in it as well. Robert, ah, that might have been maybe one of the brothers. Fat, I think Robert Carradine might have been the boy that shot David Carradine. Ah, right. His character name in it, Boy with Gun. Aye. So I'm thinking... Alright. Oh, what other? Uh, you had Barry Primus and then the black dude Bernie Casey. Nah, I can't say anybody else there. Nah. Uh, the scene where Teresa's having a um epileptic like seizure. I know woman comes running over and she happens to be Martin Scorsese's mum. Alright. Aye. Um Scorsese has two uncredited cameos in it. Okay. Plays a character called Jimmy Shorts. Right. Can't really remember where about the film he was, but there's a a scene where there's like somebody narrating mm-hmm. who at first going back actually thinking about it, but at first you think it's um Harvey Cartel like narrating whatever he's doing. Aye. But it turns out it's like Scorsese himself. Ah right. Uh, and I think that's it. And then obviously there was that one I told you. No, with, yeah. Let's say trivia that. Cassavetes or what was name is. Budget box over budget was 500,000. Alright. So it's uh, fucking cheaper to make than box car. Ah, that's interesting. Maybe just because he took a cut because he wanted to do it his way. Yeah. And Box office, how much do you think it made? One million? It made three million. Alright, that's good. So that's what, six times? Ah, exactly. But that's, so if that's that's only the US market. I couldn't find like foreign markets. Oh, well, I, I, I couldn't imagine it making too much overseas. Well, that's it. At least domestically, it's fucking made a big amount of money back. So uh, that's always a bonus. That at least would it give them some leeway for. Future films, I'd imagine. Yeah. And I guess... I, I couldn't find... I didn't even do any one-star reviews, but 
So any final words, any final thoughts uh, on Main Streets? No, I was quite, quite, quite enjoyed it the day when I was watching it. Right. Cool. Fair enough. I, I guess it's time to wrap up the show. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, next time on the Films and Swear and Movie Podcast, we will be taking a step into the 80s with Martin Scorsese. Uh, shit, I guess it's time to decide what films we're going to do. Yeah. Well, um, I'll let you do kind of comedy. Okay. You said you had quite a soft spot for that. As I've not watched that in a good, what well, feels like 10 years. So. Uh, I mean, I watched it last year, but I'll have to listen to you. And that's it. At least you'll kind of can half of what I'm talking about as well. Aye. So we'll get a conversation going out of that. Uh, have you decided what you want to talk about? Um, I'll take after hours just because it's one of the ones I've still not seen yet. Aye, that's cool. I want to see what it's like. You could tell me what it's like. Mm. Um, I was going to start dishing out, obviously, in the last few bullet points is just plugging the website, plugging all the social media, things like that. I was going to dish that out between us. Right. Um, but I probably should have prepped you on that first, uh, rather than just telling you now. Um, so we'll sort that out next time. But more or less, we'll go bullet point each. It would be for our website, filmsandswearing.com. From there, you can get access to our shopping link on Amazon. Yeah. Do your shopping through Amazon via filmsandswearing.com. We get a small kickback. It doesn't cost you any extra. Uh, so if you want to catch up with one of your Martin Scorsese films, jump ahead, get your uh, After Hours and King of Comedy, go to Films and Swearing first, then click on the Amazon link and do your shopping. That's a quick way to support us. Yeah. Uh, if you want to support us another way, you could join us on Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash FAS podcast. And uh, from pledging as small as $1 a month you get full access to our online archive of podcasts, extended podcasts which I think at the moment is over 16 hours of additional audio and we have RSS feeds so you can have that downloaded straight to your phone there's no pissing about drag and dropping MP3s, it'll just go work with any podcast app you have you can now reach us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram all on the username FAS Podcast. So, one username, you could find us on all of those major social networking platforms. And I think that's us. Uh, pretty much. No. To end it, are we just going with the, like, obviously the standard fuck off and tune in next week? Yeah. I never, we never decided whether you wanted to sign off. Yeah, because. I, I was going to get you. Because we're kind of like doing like a film, it's just kind of harder eh, to plug it. Eh? Aye. I was, I was thinking more like sign off when like and if we learn one thing the day Mike type of thing apparently was like, I was going to buy a fucking joke book and let you tell us a fucking a naff joke at the end of each episode uh, so we could go out on a laugh because I think our Christmas episode we ended on like all the fucking sexual abuse in Hollywood and I was just like aye Mike it's a, it's a, it's a sad world out there yeah. fuck off and tune in next year it's yeah. like shit. That's that's such a fucking Debbie Downer of an end, and we need we need to end on a laugh. So, Mike, go and tell me something funny. Um, Martin Scorsese likes Barbara Hershey's bush. <laughs> I'm laughing. You got me. I'm laughing. Okay. Aye. Uh, fuck off. And tune in next week. <laughs>